Hello, and welcome to another episode of Stories from the World. This is David Robert Farmerie. Admittedly, it has been a slow beginning to this second season of the podcast series. I dislike blaming it on COVID, as this seems to have become the default excuse for everything that is not able to be completed. However, I must, sadly, defer to it. Now, it's true that I have hundreds, literally hundreds of stories locked away in the library of my mind, but to recall them and then to tell them with the exuberance that they deserve is not something that I do well. Now, if a story makes its way to the forefront of my mind, sparked by something in a conversation or a spontaneous occurrence, I can relay the story as if it happened only moments before, but I can never force it to happen. Hence the pause in the episodes. Beginning late last year, most of my experiences actually dwindled. Yes, due to COVID. You know, the res on which I had been spending much of my time was on a strict lockdown for much of 2020. And even as I traveled crossing many states, my interaction with others had diminished to virtually nothing. You know, the passing greetings with a hotel clerk or a person working at the counter of a convenience store, yeah, but the interactions there were nothing more than cordial greetings at best. I have been craving new stories. And finally, again, be careful what you wish for, due to very strange circumstances, one was presented to me. And now, I have it to share with you. The story that I'm about to tell you is one that I will truly cherish for the remainder of my life. This story was born out of very adverse circumstances that brought on its tail a series of uplifting and hope-reaffirming experiences that never could have presented themselves in any other way. And on top of that, The timing of these experiences could not have rung so loudly or so profoundly in any other time of our recent history. In this time of brother against brother, son against parent, conservative against liberal, liberal against conservative, and so on, I was given the gift of sight into the realities that we no longer seem to see or hear about. It began last Wednesday, February 3rd. I climbed behind the wheel of the expedition, raced up my driveway, then turned left onto the lane. This ritual always marks the beginning of every experience, even if I'm flying somewhere. My destination was a small town in central Georgia, about five and a half hours away. Just past Atlanta, I exited the interstate and made my way to State Route 27 South. About seven miles south of Luthersville, Georgia, I heard a horrific sound from the engine compartment. Then suddenly, the engine quit. I drifted onto the grass that lined the edge of this two-lane back road and brought the truck to a stop. As soon as I got stopped, I attempted to start the engine again. There was a slow crank, then another, then nothing. I tried it again. And again, there was a slow crank, then another, then another. And then the engine started. But when it started, it started with this loud, penetrating, high-pitched squeal 
that wouldn't stop. Then the engine died once again. I looked under the hood, as well as underneath the expedition, but saw nothing out of place. Nothing was leaking, nothing was hanging, nothing was visually broken. So I called AAA. And, of course, once I got through to them, I had to wade through the numerous voice prompts to tell me to use their app, as well as numerous other things that were of no use whatsoever to me at the time. All I wanted to do was to file a claim and get a tow truck. As I was on hold, yes, on hold, a sheriff's deputy, and actually there were two deputies, driving in the opposite direction, and as they passed, I watched them slow down, make a U-turn, then pull up behind me. As they approached, I told them that I was on the phone with AAA, so they waited patiently. And here is where the story I'm about to tell began to unfold. After waiting for several minutes on hold, I got the operator. I told her what the situation was, and when she asked where I was, I said, well, as far as I know, I'm about seven miles south of Luthersville, Georgia, on State Route 27. Then she asked me, where's the closest town? To which I responded, I have no idea. I am truly in the middle of nowhere. So she pinged me and then said, oh, well, the closest town is about 16 miles away. Fine. Then she informs me that... Okay, you ready for it? Due to COVID, I cannot ride with the tow truck driver to the destination of where they're taking the expedition to. I calmly responded to her that I am wearing a mask, so it shouldn't be a problem. But she said that due to their policies with COVID, it's not possible. To which I responded to her, then how in the hell am I supposed to get from here to where they tow my expedition to 16 miles away. She said, well, let me see if I can find a driver that is willing to let you ride along. Now I'm back on hold, and for quite some time, like 15 minutes or so. But anyhow, during this time of being on hold, I had an opportunity to talk with the deputies, tell them what was going on, and they said to me, look, if you want to use AAA, that's fine, but our experience here is that it is a minimum of three to five hour wait for them to get you a tow truck. Now, if you like, said the one deputy, we can get you a tow truck much quicker. So after my lengthy time on hold comes to an end, the operator tells me, well, Mr. Farmery, I'm sorry, but we can't find a driver that will allow you to ride with them. So I said, okay, fine, I'll take care of it. And I hung up and I had the sheriff's deputy get me a tow truck. About 30 minutes later, a tow truck pulls up, backs up to the expedition. The man gets out. The man's not wearing a mask. That's fine with me. He's there. He takes my car. He loads it onto the back of the truck. And I said, do you mind if I ride with you? Absolutely not. Jump on in. Now, here's a little caveat to all of this. During the course of this day, this morning actually, I saw three different tow truck drivers. Two of them had AAA on their truck. And no driver that I saw, no tow truck driver that I saw, was wearing a mask. So I can't imagine that if they're not wearing a mask, they really care if I ride with them or not. Again, I think it was unfortunately AAA unable to find me a tow truck, period, 
and using COVID as an excuse. And now the story takes an even bigger turn. While I was waiting for the tow truck, I continued my conversation with the deputies. At one point, I had asked them if they knew of a garage that I could have the expedition towed to that was at least relatively honest, where I'd get a pretty fair deal. And the one deputy, Deputy Guillot, said that there was one Woodbury Service Center that his family took all of their vehicles to and would swear by them. So that's where I had it towed to. As the tow truck pulled up to the garage, we noticed that the open sign had been turned off. It turns out that on Wednesdays, the garage closes at noon, and at this point, it was about 1 p.m. We kind of milled around for a few minutes, and the driver went and knocked on the door just in case, and sure enough, a few minutes later, a woman unlocked the door, opened up, and said, Can I help you? The woman was Pat Collins, and it is her and her husband that own the garage. When we explained to her what was going on, what had happened, she said, Well, my mechanics are gone for the day. They won't be back until 8 a.m. tomorrow morning, but you're welcome to leave the vehicle here, and we'll take care of it as soon as we can get to it. While the tow truck driver unloaded the expedition, I was talking with Pat, and she asked me where I was staying and how I was going to get around. I said, I don't know that AAA told me that they would provide me with a rent-a-car if I needed one just to call them back. I asked if there were any hotels or motels nearby, to which she responded, no. I was quite literally in the middle of nowhere rural Georgia. Now, don't misunderstand. I am not saying this in any way derogatory, but it is true. There was literally nothing for miles. After I paid the tow truck driver, I called AAA back. I told them that the truck was secure, but that the garage couldn't work on it until morning and that I needed a rent-a-car. They said, no problem, Mr. Farmery. We have a special working relationship with Hertz. Let us connect you with the Hertz department for AAA. Now, I want to pause here for just a second because I'm realizing that up until this point, this episode sounds like it's all filled with problems. And granted, up until now, it has been. But these issues that I'm talking about are so important to the profoundness of the story that we'll be following shortly. Hello, this is Hertz. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? She asks. This is David Farmery, I reply. How can I help you, Mr. Farmery? Well, my car broke down, I had it towed, they can't work on it until tomorrow, and I am in the middle of nowhere and I need a rent-a-car. Oh, not a problem, Mr. Farmery. Can you tell me exactly where you are? No, I replied. The best I can tell you is I am in a place called Woodbury, Georgia. Well, Mr. Farmery, let me look on the map and see if I can find exactly where you are. She looks on the map, and then she comes back and says, Oh, Mr. Farmery, you are indeed in the middle of nowhere. There is nothing around you. Ah, yes, I, I replied. So, what can we get for you? And I said, well, you know, what are the options? I chose an option. I said, but here is the issue. I said, I either need somebody from the rental car agency to come pick me up, or I need them to bring the car to me. Well, Mr. Farmery, that won't be possible 
because you're 33 miles from our nearest office. Well, I said, here is the problem, is that I am, as you know, in the middle of nowhere. I said, if you cannot bring a car to me, or you cannot bring someone to pick me up and take me to the rental agency, I will need to spend the night here in my expedition. I said, I have no place nearby to eat, there are no bathrooms, and by tonight's forecast, it's predicted to be 21 degrees. Oh, Mr. Farmery, I am so sorry. Yes, silence afterward. I waited through the silence, expecting that I might hear something more, but there was nothing. So finally I replied, So, what you're telling me is that I'm going to have to spend the night in the expedition and go without eating any food because you can't find a way to bring the car to me or to have someone pick me up, even if I am willing to pay extra to have that happen. That's right, Mr. Farmery. And here is where the story turns towards the amazing. I walked back into the office of the service center where Pat was working away on something, and I told her the situation, and I said that, unfortunately, the rent-a-car place is in Fayetteville, which is 33 miles away, and she looked at me and shook her head, and she said, yes, it is indeed 33 miles. And I said, I'm assuming that you don't have Lyft or Uber or buses or taxis or anything that I could hire to take me there. And she looked at me again, shook her head, and said, oh, Mr. Farmery, I'm sorry, we don't have anything like that here. Now, here I am in rural Georgia at a garage talking with one of the owners who knows me from no one else, has never met me before, yet she is genuinely worried about me. I have an idea, Mr. Farmery. Give me a minute. Let me make a phone call and see what I can do. Several minutes had passed, and then Pat emerged from her office once again. Mr. Farmery. I think I might have some really good news. Now, it's going to take a while, and we're not definitely sure yet, but they're working on it. Okay, I said. I think it was the look of anticipation in my eyes and my silence that caused her to realize, oh, I had no idea what she was talking about. I called the sheriff's department, she said. Now, there's one minor caveat. Hertz is in Fayetteville and that is three counties away. So the sheriff's department here in this county is trying to work it out that they can leapfrog you from one county to the next to the next, eventually getting you to the rental place. About 40 minutes or so had passed, and then there was the sheriff's car pulling into the repair service center's parking lot. Deputies Brito and Guillaume, the two that pulled over when I broke down, were there again. Hello, how are you, they said to me. It's good to see you again. We're still waiting to hear back from the other counties, but things are in the works. More time slipped by, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and then, okay, Mr. Farmery, it's all worked out. Let's ride. I climbed into the back of the deputy's SUV, and let me tell you, it was indeed a very cramped space, but it was exhilarating. This was the first time I was ever in the back of a police car without having done anything to be arrested for. Ah, the memories of my youth. 
I said sarcastically. The two officers just turned and looked at me. About 20 minutes had passed, and we pulled into the parking lot of a local ministry. We got out of the car and just talked while we waited for the other deputies to show up. They were fascinating conversations because both of these deputies were willing to just open up and answer questions that I had and give me great insight into what it's like to be a police officer. About 10 minutes had passed when deputies Tarpley and Mills from Coweta County pulled into the parking lot. We all talked for a while, and then when it was time for me to get in the back of their cruiser, uh, Officer Mills or, or Deputy Mills came over and said, I'm sorry, Mr. Farmery, but it's our policy that we have to frisk you before you get in the car. I said, you know what? No problem. I understand. And here I am. Now, I'm in the parking lot of this ministry, and the parking lot is just off of the road. And I'm standing there kind of facing the ministry building, and my arms are out, and my legs are kind of spread. And he's behind me, patting me down, frisking me. And as he does this, this older woman who works at the ministry opened the side door, looked out, saw me being frisked, and I looked at her. I made eye contact with her, and her eyes got really big, and she just went back inside and slammed the door in behind her. Um, while the stories that she was able to tell that night at the dinner table, I'm sure. Anyhow, uh, after I was patted down, I squeezed into the back of their SUV, and off we went. Now, if this wasn't exciting enough on its own, get this. We're driving through Coweta County, and unbeknownst to me until they told me, is we were in the heart of where they filmed The Walking Dead. Now, I have never seen this. I hear people talking about the TV series The Walking Dead all the time. I've never seen it, but here I am now, and I am surrounded essentially by the movie sets, the various sets that they use to film The Walking Dead. Wow, this was this was really surreal. Anyhow, we drove for uh, you know probably about 15 20 minutes ago and then we pulled into a church parking lot and I'm thinking you know there there's something going on here, something I need to know. First it's a ministry, now it's a church parking lot. Anyhow, we pull into this church parking lot and we we get out of the car, we're all talking for a while and I see this older <laughs> I'm sorry, I see this older gentleman, and, you know, God love him, because, you know, he kept looking, and finally, he kind of made his way over, and he just said, you know, very caringly, he said, you know, is everything okay? And and I'm sure he thought that I was a prisoner in transport, and I can't blame him for thinking that, but he said, you know, I am, he introduced himself, and he said, I'm the pastor here at the church, and I thought, how wonderful, he came over, again, in all probability, assuming I was a criminal, I was being arrested or transported for something, and he had absolutely no judgment in his voice, in his demeanor, or in his eyes. I mean, it was really, really amazing to me. Um, there was no judgment whatsoever. He legitimately just wanted to know if everything was okay and offered his assistance. When we said, no, everything's okay, and, and let him know what was going on, he said, okay, you know, just have a blessed day, and he walked off to his car. And as before with the other two deputies, I had various conversations with these two, and again, they were so forthcoming and really giving me insights into what it's like from their point of view, 
And, you know, it, it was not that I, 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 I was surprised at this, but it was frustrating to hear because, you know, even with police work, there are so many politics involved. And I just, I really don't know how they do their job effectively. I truly don't. In fact, at one point, I said that, you know, for all the love nor money that the world could offer, I would not be a police officer. You know, it wouldn't be worth the, the, the stresses and the aggravations for me. I said, you know, truly, I don't know how you do it. And Officer Mills looked at me and he said, it's really a calling. He said, all my life I've wanted to be a police officer. I'm out here because that's what I'm here to do. That's what I'm meant to do. Wow. You know, it would have to be a calling in order to, to do it, I think. After another several minutes or so had passed, Deputy Weicker from Fayette County pulled into the parking lot. And he was in a car, not an SUV. Again, he got out. There were greetings, salutations. We talked for a little bit, all of us amongst ourselves. And then I climbed into the back of his car. And wow, there was leg room back there. In fact, I even made a comment that, that they, they treat their prisoners way too good. This is like being in a limousine. Again, I was being facetious. And off we went on the third leg of my journey across central Georgia. Again, like I did with the others, I engaged Officer Weicker, Deputy Weicker, in conversation. And, you know, it was, it was fascinating as well. He had, be, he had only been a police officer for about seven months or a deputy for seven months. But he said that before that, he had worked in the jail. And before that, he was an MP in the Army. So, you know, he really did have a lot of experience. And we talked about all the different things. And I asked him at one point, uh, I said, how do you keep from becoming tainted because it was obvious that by our conversation, things he had to say that he had not become tainted. And again, I said, you know, how, how do you keep from becoming tainted? And his answer I found really profound. He simply said, well, I was raised in the church. And you know, that spoke volumes to me. He wasn't pontificating upon his religion or all of the other things. He was just stating a simple fact. But that simple fact carried the weight of a thousand words with it. And it hit me so profoundly. And it made so much sense that because this man is truly the embodiment of his faith, he lives it and breathes it. And because of this, he is able to do his job with great fairness and untaintedness. About 15 minutes later, we pulled into the parking lot of the Hertz rent-a-car. And, and, and Deputy Weicker pulled down into the parking space smack dab in front, in front of it. And so, you know, he gets out, comes around, opens the door for me because obviously I'm in the back and I, you know, you can't open the door from the inside. He opens the door and I get out. You know, he closes it. We talk for a few minutes. I shake his hand and thank him. And I walk into the Hertz Rent-A-Car Agency. As I walk in, you know, there are no customers in there. And there's a girl at the, the, the desk and there's a man sitting off to the left that I found later worked there. But Anyhow, he just sat there and, you know, I could feel him looking at me and I just, you know, 
went up and, and took care of the car. I said, you know, I'm, I'm you know, David Farmeri. I'm here to pick up a car. And while she was looking up the information, the man just kind of calmly said, so did you just get out? <laughs> I looked at him and I started to kind of chuckle. I said, no, no. I said, yeah, it's a long story. He said, regardless, he said, welcome back. <laughs> I said, yeah, anyhow. Uh, so I got the car and, and here was the real kicker for me um, that it turns out that Hertz has a policy that they will pick up a customer using Lyft or Uber. In their case, I think it was Lyft, but their limit is 25 miles. And I said, well, I was only eight miles beyond your limit. Couldn't you have just come to pick me up and I would have paid the difference. And she said, you know, I don't know why we couldn't. And she checked with her supervisor and the supervisor said, no, we can't do that. And I said, well, I said, I have, I have a bit of a dilemma that dawned on me as I was riding over here in the three different the sheriff's cars. I said, tomorrow when I return the car, I will need to get back to where my, my expedition is. I said, so again, can I just have you give me a lift ride? and go the extra eight miles, and then whatever the extra cost is, just bill it to me. And the supervisor said, no, we can't do that. I said, holy mackerel. So anyhow, it worked out fine because I just hired the lift on my own and paid you know, the 50 bucks or whatever to go. But I thought, you know, what, what a lousy company that they wouldn't, with a person stranded and a good customer to boot because I was a Hertz Gold member, you know, that, that they wouldn't extend that by eight miles to save a person from having to sleep in their car 21 degrees overnight without food or a bathroom. I thought, wow. So anyhow, needless to say that um, AAA and Hertz are no longer on my radar of companies that I will use. But again, it worked out so amazingly well because of these experiences. And even further than this, the next day when my car was done, and I had to go back to pick it up. You know, I ordered Lyft and they, they, it popped up and said, so-and-so will be your driver. They'll be there in whatever. And like two minutes passed and I get another notice from Lyft and it said, well, we found a driver that's closer to you. So we're going to send her instead. Fine. You know, I don't care. Just, I just want my ride. Well, it turns out that the new driver that they found for me was somebody that I really needed to talk with and that she really needed to talk to me. It was like another one of these cosmic hookup things because this woman is trying to get into farming where she wants to grow produce and sell it either at a farmer's market or have like a, a you know, a, a food to table kind of thing at her farm. And she was struggling with direction and we talked about it and, and I had some direction to give her of things that I had heard and people that I had met. And it was absolutely amazing. So, you know, the whole one hour ride back to my car was filled with just talking with her and going back and forth. And again, this great synergy of a relationship developed and it wouldn't have happened if my car had not broken down. How wonderful is that? Wow. And quite honestly, it would not have happened had Hertz agreed to come and pick me up. And as much as I am livid with them for not doing it, the fact that they did not do it, the fact that they refused to do it, 
presented me with the opportunity to have such an amazing experience. And maybe it's just prejudice on my part, but, you know, I mean, I was raised, and I think a lot of people have been raised with this stigma of, of Georgia and rural Georgia where, you know, the police are just, you know, really hard-nosed and, and all of this, but yet here I am in central Georgia, and it was obviously I'm not from the south because I was wearing my beret, and they just treated me, treated me someone that they had never met before, knew that they would never meet again. There was nothing in it for them, but they still came together, starting back with Pat, who owned the garage, and calling the sheriff. And then, again, the deputies from three different counties coming together to transport me across so that I could get a rent-a-car 33 miles away. This is absolutely profound. And again, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, in this day and age when it's, it's you know, conservative against liberal, liberal against conservative, and all of these people just, you know, diametrically opposed to one another. And here in an area that I would have assumed would be a hotbed for this was completely the opposite. It was the most gracious generosity I have experienced anywhere, anywhere in the world in a very, very, very long time. And again, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, this is a story that will live within me literally for the rest of my life. And I think that this is also a story that all of us, myself included, need to take a lesson from to leave our prejudices, whatever they may be, behind us. Because you never truly know what will be and how another person will react until you are face-to-face with them in a given situation. Until next time, I thank you most sincerely for joining me and for allowing me to share with you another amazing story from the world. And yes, as always, this episode is copyrighted. 2021, all rights reserved.